The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. This week on the show, we're talking about July as Hydration Month. Make sure your pets have fresh, clean water throughout the day. And for pets that have an aversion to drinking water, Dr. Mark Seiss of Mississippi State University College of Veterinary Medicine will give you all some tips and tricks to get your dogs and cats to hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. This is going to be covered in segment four. Stay with us for this cooling segment later in the show. And in segment three, veterinarian Dr. Ernie Ward is back with us again. He'll be talking about how to prevent motion sickness. If you are planning on taking a vacation via car or train with your dog or cat who might get a little woozy or sick during travel, you'll need to listen to Dr. Ward's recommendations. There is also an abundance of celebrity pet news. Guess which celebrity had a funeral service for her darling dog? You will also find out who the celebrity mourners were in attendance. And in Flex Facts, we're also talking about the best way to tote your cat to the veterinarian. That's all in segment number two. Now let's kick off the show talking about July 4th. Like many Americans, you may be planning your 4th of July festivities about now, along with barbecues, a day at the beach, July 4th holiday celebrations would not be complete without fireworks that celebrate our nation's birth. Whether you're staying at home, having a party, or even going to one, or maybe just enjoying a fireworks display, take time to consider your pet. Joining us to talk about 4th of July dangers for our pets is veterinarian Dr. Colin Domorowski from the Louisiana State University School of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Domorowski joined LSU in 2017 as an assistant professor in the Department of Veterinary Clinical Sciences and currently practices in the Community Practice Department of the LSU Veterinary Teaching Hospital. Dr. Domorowski, thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz today. You're very welcome. It's good to be here. Okay, so as much as we love our pets and want them to share our lifestyles with us, why should we lead them home if we're going to a holiday party or maybe fireworks outings? Yeah, well, if you think about all the variables involved, Fourth of July parties can be pretty stressful. You're talking about hot weather, fireworks, often strangers, and that's not even mentioning sort of the food and the, the other dangerous things they can get a hold of. And, and so for those reasons, it's often safest to leave them home. If you're committed to taking them, you know, it may not be wrong for every pet, but you certainly want to take some precautions if you do decide to take them to the party. Basically, that sounds to me like leave them at home <laughs> for their safety. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. Well, if we leave Fido behind, our dog could still be fighting neighborhood fireworks. What's the best way to keep him calm and safe? Yeah, a great question. So often you can set up a kind of a safe place for them to stay where they're most comfortable. A lot of pets prefer to kind of take shelter in the bedroom or maybe the closet, somewhere away from the noise in the windows. I found that a white noise machine can be pretty helpful to eliminate a lot of the, the noises that, that come with fireworks. 
You may have heard of it. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of something called the Thunder Shirt, which is like a tightly fitting vest, kind of a wrap that can make dogs and cats feel more comfortable in, in stressful situations, including noises. And if your pet has a very strong phobia of, of these noises, I would discuss it with your veterinarian because there's a lot of supplements and a lot of medications out there that are on the market now, and, and some of them may be right for your individual pet. So, you know, a lot of folks like us will be barbecuing on the 4th of July. And, of course, the smell of grilling food, especially meat, can work Fido up into a food frenzy. So if he (laughs) does swipe a hot dog from the grill and burn his paws or mouth, what should a pet owner do? Obviously, you know, as you guys know, the best thing would be to keep him away from that. If it happens, I would treat it much like a burn to a human. Cold running water is preferable to like an ice pack, something like that. Ice can actually do uh, more damage along with the original burn. But I would say if you can visibly see a burn or you know your pet is painful from the burn, I think a visit to the vet is in order. I would not recommend applying any medications or ointments that you you don't know about uh, without talking to your veterinarian first. So I guess a good advice would be to keep an emergency number of a vet nearby that's operating 24 hours around the holidays, just so you know if you're traveling or just going to Sally's down the street, make sure you now keep that phone number in your wallet or your cell phone, right? Yeah, that's a great point. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Colin Demarowski of LSU School of Veterinary Medicine about 4th of July dangers for our pets. Well, since some folks don't grill all the time, they can get careless with lighter fluid, putting it down on the ground. What's the effect if pets ingest or even get near lighter fluid, touch it with their paws? Is it skin irritation or what? Yeah, so the skin irritation is typically quite mild. You can wash that off with some soap and water. It really depends on the chemicals within the particular lighter fluid. Not not all lighter fluid is made the same. Even ingestion, the effects can vary from, from something very mild, like a little bit of nausea, a little bit of drooling, to kind of more severe signs like even vomiting or, or neurologic issues. I would strongly recommend anybody who feels their pet may have ingested lighter fluid to call either the Pet Poison Helpline or the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center. They have people there around the clock, and they can answer any questions about toxicity of those items. And and I would be sure to have the label of the lighter fluid and, and anything they would have ingested so that you can give them the appropriate information. I just want to add that I want to make sure that you have your credit card nearby because that charge is going to be $65. And I'll make sure I will put the ASPCA poison control line number up on our social media channels. And once again, you know, you guys know, listening, you can follow along to our show and our social media drops as the interviews are going on talking about relevant information. Well, you know what? Um, barbecues uh, and drinking maybe a little beer on the 4th of July, we may be imbibed too much. so. Can we remind our listening audience what happens when pets eat too much barbecue or maybe get into our brewski? (laughs) Sure. It really, this sort of depends on the amount of chicken and, and of course, the amount of beer, hopefully the amount of zero. But the effects can, again, range from anywhere to to no effect to to pretty severe illness. The safest amount is, is zero. A few, you know, an accidental sip or, or an accidental bite here and there is unlikely to be a big problem. But spicy or fatty foods like like barbecue can can make certain dogs very very ill. Not to mention things like bones or other things that can be with, with chicken that can damage their GI tract. If you do have to feed them anything, it should be very low in fat. It should be white meat and, and not seasoned. Another commonly seen GI issue after cookouts is corn cobs. For some reason, dogs really love to eat corn cobs, and they can block their GI tract and be quite dangerous. So 
I would make sure to dispose of all, all those scraps in a place where animals can't reach because they can become very sick. Great advice. Definitely mm-hmm. great advice. Well, lastly, since we're spending so much time outside, we tend to treat ourselves with sunscreen and bug spray. Can this be harmful if our dogs or cats rub up against our arms and legs? It's unlikely that they'll be affected just by rubbing up against you. Uh, if you think that kind of thing is happening, you can bathe them in some dish soap, like kind of Dawn dish detergent kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, be careful not to get it in their eyes, but that can help wash and, and sort of decontaminate them. As far as sunscreen, again, not terribly toxic. It depends on the type. Some dogs or cats will get a little bit of, of an upset stomach if they if they lick some of that. But certainly, if they get a hold of a bottle or if they eat a significant amount, you know, you should contact your veterinarian. Okay, Doc, we got thirty seconds. Leave us with one great holiday safety tip. <laughs> well, I think when we touched on it, I think it's best, especially if there's going to be fireworks or food like this, leaving them at home, they'll probably be just as happy to nap on the couch while you're gone, and they'll be happy to see you when you come home. If you have more questions, I would look at the AVMA. The American Veterinary Medical Association has a good page on Fourth of July safety there at avma.org, and then, like I mentioned, the Pet Poison Helpline, the ASPCA Poison Hotline, and if you haven't seen the Thunder Shirts, Thundershirt.com is a nice site where you can kind of browse their their products and, and maybe that'll help your pet for the fireworks. What great All suggestions. Right, All right. Well, thank you for having me. That was Dr. Colin Demarowski from Louisiana State University, LSU School of Veterinary Medicine. To learn more about Dr. Demarowski, visit lsu.edu slash vetmed. Well, just so you know, we have posted an infographic on our social media feeds to remind you about the 4th of July dangers. Up next, we're filling you in on our latest celebrity news. And of course, Flex Facts. Dr. Flex is going to tell us the best way to tote our felines to the vet. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. 
I'm pet expert Charlotte Reed, and I want to remind you how important it is to protect your pet against fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes with preventative tablets and topicals. By giving your dogs and cats preventative meds throughout the year, you are protecting your pet from Lyme disease, heartworm, flea allergies, worms, and more, causing unwanted and costly vet bills. Most importantly, these parasites can infiltrate your home, causing you and your family's health to be compromised. Remember, healthy pets healthy you thank you for joining us on the pet buzz this morning this show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo i'm petronologist charlotte reed and i'm veterinarian dr michael fleck well let's talk celebrity news dr fleck you ready okay Ashley Tisdale, the high school musical actress, a day after announcing that her dog Maui died, the young actress held a funeral for her teacup Malty Poo, sharing a lot of the pics. Well, according to People Pets, Tisdale wrote on her social media channels that this pain is the worst pain I've ever felt. And I can totally understand that, especially since I've lost my dog Hudson and I've lost Roan. I think we all understand. Exactly. Well, the online outlet also shared pics of her burying her pooch in a pink casket decorated with dozens of photos of the multi-poo. And nearby was a framed photo of the dog on an easel, a director's chair with Maui's name, a prayer fire and dozens of flowers surrounding the funeral. Lastly, there's a picture of Tisdale, her husband, Christopher French, and Hallie Duff burning sage to cleanse the environment. Well, Godspeed, Maui. We hope you and Ashley meet again over Rainbow's Bridge. I'm just curious. Where'd she get a casket that quickly? I don't know. I know, I know you could buy one at Walmart, but I didn't know they have pet caskets. Are you really surprised? No, I'm not. But, you know, it's really actually interesting that you can actually visual. I'm going to post those pictures up. You can actually visually see what people are doing and how they're comparing with the picture of the pet on the easel, the casket. And maybe 20 or 30 years ago, it may have been thought to be ridiculous, but today it's not. No, not at all. Well, let's move on to Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Or fiction. Just the facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! This is going to take long. You got the time. Flex facts contain the advice of my co-host and life partner, Dr. Michael Fleck. So, Dr. Fleck, what's the topic for this week? Taking your cat to the vet office. Okay, you know why I love really doing flex facts? <laughs> because there's always inspiration from your week. Oh, so, my gosh. Right, I know. It mm-hmm. sounds crazy, but what's the inspiration for this topic? Well, let's just say... A little pussycat got uh-huh. loose from the owner's purse-like carrier. Okay, so it's more like a designer causing carrier. Causing major havoc in my Red Barn discount clinic. Okay. The feline freaked for some reason <laughs> once it got out. out of the bag and knocked <laughs> over every item on the counter and even scratched the poor gal, not the owner, who caught her. <laughs> you know, I have to say, this sounds like it's really descriptive, but I was actually there, so I saw that. Okay, so obviously you should bring your cat to the vet's office and something, but how do people generally bring their cats to the vet's office? What's your experience? What have you seen over the years? Lots of them bring it improperly, but to start out with, what they do is they bring them maybe 
Just in a regular box? Wait, a, re- the, a regular box. A yeah. regular box. A regular they, box that they, folders over the top. Right, it's you know. like some old box where they pick it up on the supermarket, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. Do they stick holes in it? Well, no, they usually don't. <laughs> the cat usually does that. So Okay. Okay. So then there, there's carrier boxes like what you get when you adopt a pet from the shelter. And um, a lot of times they people keep those around for a long time. Not very long because usually they're ripped apart after the first time. Okay, cat okay. They sometimes just bring them in loose in their arms, maybe wrapped in a towel. I always wonder what they do in the car because it's always dangerous to have a cat loose in the car. Okay. And then carrier bags, which is the most appropriate way to bring them. And I, li- I like the folding carrier bags, too, the best. You're going to have to find me a picture because you have to really describe that. Okay. So what's the best way to bring your cat to the vet's office? Well, in the carrier. Okay. But, but the cat in the carrier needs to have a harness on okay. and needs to have a leash. Because when you open that carrier, sometimes they want to scoot. So you want to be able to catch them without harming them, of course. You know, course. I think that's a great idea, Dr. Fleck. And you can check out the harnesses and the cat harnesses and cat leashes at uh, at Sturdy Pet Products. I'm going to actually put a picture up on our social media channel so you could see what I'm talking about. Okay, so why is it important? I, I would think, like you said, I'm going to interrupt myself for a second. Okay. That they freak out because they really haven't spent a lot of time in the carrier. And I know when you're waiting or the cats are crying and meowing really loudly. And smelling different things. Uh, right. Smelling different things. So it could be stressful. So why is it important to get your cat used to being in the carrier before coming to the vet? Well, obviously, you want to reduce the stress levels. That's what it's all about. And lots of times <laughs> my clients will tell me that as soon as you bring out the carrier, the cat scoots. It's under the bed. They can't get to it. So they need to have some more time where they bring the pet, the cat, and they they put it in the carrier, and they keep it home, and they play with it so that they feel comfortable in the carrier. Yeah, you can reward your cat for being in the carrier. And not only just to take it to the veterinarian, but Uh also consider we live in Florida. We have hurricanes. People living in the Midwest are experiencing flooding, flooding tornadoes. And tornadoes. So, really so in an emergency, emergency situation, okay. you don't want to have to chase your cat and not be able to get to it right, right away. Right. And maybe be in a situation where both That's of you are That's great advice. That is great advice. So maybe what you could do is throw out a few treats in there, you know, spray it with some pheromone products, get it used to play around the carrier. And if the cat jumps in the carrier, reward him with a treat. Okay. So here is a very interesting question mm-hmm. that I thought of. Mm-hmm. Why is it never a good idea to let your cat out of the bag once you're at the vet's office in the waiting room? Because a lot of people think they can do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most people are smart enough not to do that. <laughs> well, there's a few dummies but I, out there. I think I've already given a good example. Uh-huh. When you look at the disaster that it created in my uh-huh. my reception area and moving into the exam room where it destroyed things too. But your cat could get freaked out. You know, it can bite, it can scratch, it can, it can hide, it can knock things over as it, as it did in our, in our clinic. Right. And, you know, somebody's going to try to pick up the cat. The cat is frightened. It's fright or flight. And they sometimes react in a very violent way and they'll scratch or they they may bite. And you know what I'm thinking? If it's really quickly, if someone opens the door, a new person, they could run right out of the clinic door. Oh, absolutely. Clinics try to prepare for this, but. There's really no way. You know, you usually they're on a busy street. Most clinics okay. are too. Last question. So other than the cat wearing the harness and leash in the carrier bag, what should you bring with you? Sometimes you open up the carrier bag and you all you can smell is pee. 
Oh, okay. Okay. So, so okay. what you what you need to do is in your carrier put a plastic under underneath, right? A towel on top of the plastic okay. for the cat, and then if there are problems, you can clean it out when you get to the veterinarian and have a clean habitat for it to go I think home. it's good to put the towel in there because a lot of times what happens is you do have the plastic bottom in the carrier and then they have fleece, but you need something to absorb that urine. And it's always a good idea to have that towel and the plastic bag because what you can plastic do is- The plastic bag saves the bag. Well, not only that, but you can put the smelly towel in the plastic bag and then take it out and put it in your car and then just wipe the cat off and wipe the carrier off. So I think that's great easy, advice, Dr. E- Flex. Easier said than done. I know. Well, thanks again for some great Flex facts. I can't wait to find out what happens to you next week. Mm-hmm. So we have something great and fun to talk mm-hmm. about and share with our mm-hmm. listening audience. Well, still to come is Pet Buzz Global News. We've got the 411 about the winner of the ugliest dog contest. And later in the show, you'll find out how much water your dog or cat should drink a day. Now it's time to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to learn about how motion sickness is different for dogs and for cats. Stay tuned. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple. And it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian, Dr. Michael Fleck. I've got a great I likey for the week for y'all. I likey. I likey. You know, iPhone, <laughs> iPad, I likey. I likey. That's the way it has to be because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. Okay, so if you're a food lover these days, you know, you don't have to travel the world to experience great Italian, Asian, and French cuisine, and neither does your dog. Voila! Well, you know what that means. That's French for there it is. Well, thanks to Tiki Dog, your pet can enjoy restaurant-inspired meals featuring whole recognizable ingredients with names akin to meals that you would order for yourself. So, Dr. Fleck, check this out. Chicken stir-fry, mm. beef burgundy, mm. chicken carbonara, mm. To lamb couscous mm. and chicken and shrimp paella. Mm. See these pictures? Mm-hmm. You would never know. It doesn't mm. even, it looks like human food, mm-hmm. right? You got to see these meals. So I'm going to post 
pictures of them on our social media channels. These taste of the world meals come in convenient single serve cups that make packing your pup's food easy breezy. Mm. No worry. You don't even have to remember to bring a bowl. Mm. So check them out at Tiki. That's T-I-K-I pets.com slash dog. Very cool. Slash. Very cool. I think so. Well, we've just been told that our next guest is on the phone. Veterinary and author Dr. Ernie Ward is with us to talk about motion sickness. Speaking of, Ernie, how's the swell this morning in Hawaii? Hey, you know what? It's a little bit less than it's been, but we are expecting a big bump toward the end of the week. So super stoked to be here. Awesome. (laughs) Hey, Ernie. Good morning. Thanks for joining us from the Aloha State today. I'm thrilled. So can you tell us what is motion sickness and how is it caused? Oh, wow. Motion sickness can wreck anybody's vacation, whether you're traveling in a car, an airplane, train. It doesn't matter. But a dog or cat that's sick or anxious can, can really be a, a frustrating and, 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 quite frankly, a frightening experience for anybody. And, you know, when we talk about why does motion sickness happen, there's really two main pathways that we need to discuss. And the first, and, and I would argue most common by far, is just these emotional, behavioral types of motion sickness. The dog or cat is simply anxious, frightened, you know, somehow they, they aren't accustomed to traveling, and so they get themselves worked up into a state of, of nausea even. And then, of course, you do have some intrinsic diseases, like inner ear disease, for example. So ear infections can lead to heightened sense of movement, and then that can lead to nausea. But for most of our, our listeners, they're going to be dealing with a dog or cat that's just anxious about travel. So how can I tell if my dog or cat has motion sickness? What are the symptoms? Charlotte, that's a great question because most of us just associate motion sickness with vomiting. And, of course, that's the end result of a really long pathway that has led us to this, To you know, now we're sick. Uh, but really, you want to look for things like panting, drooling. Uh, are they anxious, looking around, you know, frantic acting? Many times cats will just cower in their carrier or in the back of the car or wherever they're being being transported in. And, and again, you want to look for those early signs because if you can intervene then, then, of course, you can ho- hopefully avoid later nausea and, and GI distress. So then is motion sickness different in the cat and the dog? You know, they are. And I'd say that the most obvious reason uh, for that is because we travel with our dogs more often in cars. So we're used to seeing those signals. Now, cats, as I mentioned before, may drool. They may even have open mouth breathing. They may hyper vocalize or meow incessantly, but often they just cower and sort of shake and they're very, very frightened. And again, that gets us back to those whole behavioral causes of motion sickness. So when it comes to dogs, typically they will go straight to vomiting in many cases. I mean, they will let you know, I don't feel well, whereas the cat tends to hide it. You know, we talked about behavioral problems. For example, can a dog, because he experiences motion sickness, kind of anticipate the whole sickness in regards to, oh, my gosh, I'm getting in a car again. I'm going to be sick. In fact, those are the triggers that lead to this, you know, end result of vomiting. So if a dog or cat has a bad experience during travel once or twice, they start to associate the carrier or the car or the trip even with this bad experience. And so, therefore, they're heightened and then everything just gets worse. And we can all, you know, most of us can relate to that. If you have a fear of roller coasters, for example, or going to the dentist, you know, just the thought of those activities can make you feel queasy. And so, absolutely, it's that one bad experience in in my uh, practice life that leads to this whole set of events. And what really will happen is then pet owners will say, you know, my dog just doesn't travel well, and they cease to take them on vacation, which is a real shame for everyone. 
So I can imagine uh, our pet owners out there asking the question, how do we prevent it? There's a few simple things. Number one, first and foremost, try to acclimatize your pet to travel. If you know you're going to be going on a trip and your dog or cat isn't used to riding in a carrier or in a car or whatever, then start early. You know, take them on short trips, five minutes and back, full of rewards, make it a very pleasant, pleasurable experience. You know, so really try to work your way up before you just put them in the car for that eight-hour drive across the country. The second thing I'll tell you every time I do this with my pets, when we travel, dogs and cats, is we withhold all food and water for about four to six hours before we leave. Now, I will give them a little bit of water during this time you know, if we're withholding and it's kind of hot or we're packing and everybody's running around, but we really want to make sure that they start that trip with as an empty a stomach as possible because, again, a full stomach sloshing around in there, that can also trigger nausea. You know, Ernie, I'm so glad you're here because I know that you still have your your natural or holistic practice. So I wanted to ask you, what pharmaceutical options are available as well as natural remedies for pet owners who have pets suffering from motion sickness? And the fact is, if you're listening today and your dog or cat has had upset stomach or motion sickness in the past, we have got solutions for you. So don't think that that should be a barrier to future travel. And first and foremost, when we do have an FDA-approved drug, at least for dogs, for motion sickness. And it's called Serenia. It's been out for several years, so most veterinarians have a lot of experience with it. It comes in a tablet form for dogs or an injection that we use kind of in the medical setting. But you can talk to your veterinarian about this. But I, I can't stress enough, like, if you are listening today and your dog or cat is fearful or you've had a bad travel experience, you need to talk to your vet because we can solve it. Serenia is going to be at the top of my list. I mean, this stuff works great. In fact, for dogs, you just give them a single dose that lasts for 24 hours. So that's going to that's gonna knock out any travel that most of us are ever going to do. Uh, and without a doubt, that's my go-to treatment. A lot of people will experiment with like Dramamine and Benadryl. And before you do that, definitely talk to your veterinarian because you want to get the dosage right because you really don't want your dog, you know, super sedated or your cat to have some side effects from that. Um, I, I would say that those are more hit or miss in my experience. You know, I tend to, to reserve those for people that for some reason don't want to use Serenia. But let's say you don't have the option of seeing your veterinarian, you're already on travel and, you know, things are going bad. I, I start to then use things like ginger. And Charlotte, you know, it is hit or miss. I think ginger is actually pretty effective in many people. I know my wife actually has success with it, her personally. But the problem with ginger and dogs in particular is they just don't tend to like it. I often will make a ginger tea and try to get some of my patients to take that that are interested in more natural treatment. But ginger tea can certainly do it. You just put um, a little bit of that, you know, in their food or, or certainly can try to get them to drink it. I actually take the powdered ginger and put it in canned food. That can also really help a kitty cat who's a little bit stressed out. An old remedy that a lot of us still rely on is a Chinese herbal treatment. It's called curing pills, and you can find these at a lot of the uh, better natural stores. But uh, curing pills can really help out. I usually use about a, a quarter of a vial of this, and I, I tend to mix it in water. And I'll, I'll do that every three to four hours during travel. But curing pills are great. Lavender, you know, look, I'm using lavender right now. I'm on vacation. We use it with our human children, even though they're grown. But lavender certainly can help reduce nervousness and anxiety. Helps you sleep better. Uh, you know, I'm a big, big fan of this. Uh, that's actually what I use with my dog, even though they don't have overt motion sickness. But Charlotte, I still sprinkle a little lavender oil back in their crate, and we take it. So that, lots and, and finally, lots of options. <laughs> just don't want people to be afraid to travel with their dog or cat because let's face it, when you can take your pet with you, it just makes everything that much more enjoyable. So I really want us to live our lives with our pets as much as possible. 
I know Ernie's missing his dog because he couldn't take it to Hawaii. Is that correct? <laughs> that is absolutely correct. In fact, we're getting our local dog therapy because uh, some of our neighbors here uh, bring their dog down to the surf break every morning. And so we're up there petting the dogs before and after we surf. But, yes, I miss my babies very much. Ernie, I hear surf is up, so thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. And hopefully these tips will help some of our other listeners and dog lovers and cat lovers enjoy their vacation this summer. Well, that was veterinarian and author Dr. Ernie Ward, one of our favorite guests He's one of our faves. For more information, visit Dr. Ward at his practice at drernieward.com. Stay tuned. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Hey, did you know 2.4 million loving cats and dogs in shelters and rescues need our help to find a home? Let's go to the shelterpetproject.org and meet a few who are in a shelter near you. Harlow. Oh, she's one great listener who loves to hear all your stories. My kind of cat. Cerulo is a sweet, goofy boy who's eager to please. Sounds just like another dog I know. So go to the shelterpetproject.org, search your local shelters and rescues, and go for a cuddle with your next best friend. Adopt. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. Here at the Pet Buzz, we are urban, suburban, and, and country. country. Well, on that note, it's time for Global Pet News. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. don't get it. Americans love them. They love these ugly dogs. And so... They're not ugly. They are. A lot of them no. are. And so a bug-eyed, frizzy-haired pooch named <laughs> Scamp the Tramp won the 31st annual World Ugliest Dog Contest last Friday. Scamp beat 18 other contestants at the event, which was held in Northern California and sponsored by Paw Scout, a pet tracking system. <laughs> Organizers say the contest is about bringing attention to the needs of rescue dogs and I get all that. Oh now, but they kind of revel in the fact that the dogs are so ugly. Okay. Vervon Morenos is the owner of Scamp the Tramp, and she won an appearance with Scamp on the Today Show. That's pretty that's pretty big stuff. Big stuff. She won fifteen hundred dollars in cash, and then she won fifteen hundred dollars to donate to an animal shelter, and of course a ginormous or a huge <laughs> trophy. Huge. Right. According to Moronis, Scamp was living on the streets of Compton, and she rescued him in two thousand and fourteen after she spotted him on Pet Finder. So that's great. We love that. Pet Finder's mm-hmm. still around. It's still mm-hmm. providing great, great advice as well as uh, adoptable dogs around the country. Now the dog, now his life is totally transformed. So now the dog makes volunteer visits to school children and local senior citizen centers, which I think is awesome. Morenos believes that he's no longer got the scamp the tramp, but scamp the champ. I love that, right? <laughs> Most competitors were rescued from kill shelters, found, abandoned, or seized from unscrupulous breeders. The organizers feel that these ugly dogs are sort of spokes dogs or the faces of adoption. 
Scamp the <laughs> that Tramp. Sh- the no, Champ Tramp. S- no, Scamp the Champ now. Okay, let's move on. Okay. Well, I don't know. Did you know that July is Hydration Awareness Month? Yes. Okay. So on hot summer days, it can be tough enough to stay cool and hydrated. But what about your dog? Joining us today to talk about pet hydration is veterinarian Dr. Mark Seitz, assistant clinical professor at the College of Veterinary Medicine at Mississippi State University. Dr. Seitz, welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you so much for having me. So why is it important to keep our pets hydrated, especially in the summer months? Great question, Dr. Mike. Uh, Water is an essential nutrient for the health and proper function of all the cells in our pet's bodies. And dehydration is the term uh, we use to describe when there's an imbalance of water in the body. Basically, a pet loses more water than they take in. Dehydration can cause a lot of problems. And in the summer, we can see dehydration caused by two factors, both excessive loss and inadequate intake. So in the summer, it's especially important to watch out and make certain our pets are staying hydrated so dehydration does not hurt them. That's great. I learned some different things. Got to make sure those pets get water, water, water. Okay, just like us. Yes, exactly. So I'm just curious, how much water makes up our pets' bodies, and can you compare that to the human body? So we are very, very similar to our pets in that regard. Most pets are about 60 to 80% water based on their total body weight. Wow. It's very similar to humans as well. And what that means is if you have an approximately 10-pound dog, 7 pounds of that dog is actually just water. Now, that does tend to vary a little bit. Um, We know that puppies and kittens, just like children, contain more water. They can be up to 80% versus adults that are a little bit less. But by and large, about two-thirds of our pet's bodies are made of water. I'm kind of laughing because we have this 10-pound dog named Wally. So if he's, uh-huh. so seven pounds of water and three pounds of piss and vinegar, right? I mean, totally. Right. And it's so funny because I have English toy spaniels and Wally is just not the low-key, sedate English toy spaniel. Okay. A little spark plug. Yeah, a little spark plug. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Uh, that, that is the case for a lot of small dogs. Well, that brings up a good point then about The volume of water, how much volume of water do dogs and cats need each day? So dogs and cats need about one to two ounces per pound of body weight. And it's going to vary a little bit based on their weight, their age, food consumption, and activity level. But one of the wonderful things about animals is that they are really good at self-regulating. So for our pet owners out there, although it's nice to have that as a rough guideline, the best thing we can do for them is just offer water and keep their water bowls full of clean, fresh water, and they tend to drink what they need. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Mark Seitz from the College of Veterinary Medicine at Mississippi State University about the importance of keeping pets hydrated in these hot, hot summer months. So, Doc, Mark, what are the signs of dehydration? So the signs of dehydration are a little bit deceptive, Miss Charlotte. And the reason why I say Ooh, that I is love that, Miss Charlotte. <laughs> yep. <laughs> pets actually have to lose about 5% of their body weight before they show overt signs that we can detect on their bodies. When we talk about just dehydration, the signs that we see include tacky gums, a change in how their skin feels, something we call skin elasticity. Now, one thing I like to caution people to be aware of the look at that can happen a little bit earlier, signs of overheating. So it's important for our pet owners to be on the lookout for all those things, not just dehydration. When we get a dehydrated pet in the hospital, we know what to do. But 
What can a pet owner do if they believe that their pet is dehydrated at home? The first thing is to get them away from the situation that made them dehydrated. So in the summer months, that means get them indoors immediately. And if you don't have access to indoors, at least get them in the shade and out of the direct sun. You want to offer them water immediately because, again, a lot of pets can drink and correct the problem. However, one of the biggest mistakes I see, and Dr. Mike, I'm sure you've seen this as well, is we don't want to force water on them because sometimes when pets are overheated, they aren't uh, mentally appropriate and they can actually choke on their water or even develop pneumonia because it goes down the wrong tube. It goes into their lungs. So if they are not initially responding to the cooler environment and drinking water, that's when a pet owner should consider seeking veterinary care because we don't want their pets to be hurt by the dehydration. Well, other than providing our pets with water, what other ways can we get them to stay hydrated? Prevention is being mindful of what the sun can do and keeping them out of that direct heat. Outside of prevention, a couple things that we can do that are fun for our pets, we can encourage water consumption in a lot of different ways. A lot of pets enjoy drinking water that's flowing, so we can purchase water fountains that they sell at pet stores. Even just pouring it out of a little water bottle can help. There can also be other ways to increase your water intake. Canned food actually has more water in it than dry food. So this can be helpful for certain pets. However, I always recommend people talk with their vet before making a food change. Great suggestion. So, Dr. Seitz, you got 30 seconds to give us one tip about hydration we need to know. Basically, keep those water bowls clean and keep the fresh water coming. More is always better. Great advice. And you know, Dr. Fleck, I just came back from my mini tour. And one of the things that I loved is that Loving Pets mini travel bowl with the legs. And I love it because it falls flat. You can shove it in your bag and you can put a carabiner on it. Yep. And just hook it to your belt. Doesn't take up space. No, not at all. Well, I'm going to make sure we put a picture of that uh, on our social media channels too. Well, Dr. Seitz, thank you so much for joining us today. And for more information, visit cvm.msstate.edu. What a great interview. It was wonderful. Thank you. Really great having you here. Thank you for having me. Hey, did you hear that bell? That means it's time to go. But before Already? We, I know. But before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's show. Next week, we're talking about Orvitz Canine Vacation Guide with Puppy Bowl referee Dan Shagner. You remember Dan? Yep. Then I have a friend on. He actually put up a Facebook post. I call it Man versus Nature. It's a man's struggle to live in the country with all of its challenges and coming up is All-American Pet Photo Day. So we're going to learn how to take the best pictures of our dogs. And before we go, Dr. Fleck, can you thank our guests? Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Colin Domorowski, Dr. Ernie Ward, and Dr. Mark Seitz. Great guests today. Oh, wonderful. Just awesome. Trio of guys. It was like the only and girl today. I like today. talking about cats coming into the vet. Oh, I thought that was fantastic. Well, we always have to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And just so you guys know, if you visit epipet.com that's epi-pet.com you can receive 25% off on your first order by using the pet buzz 25 code that's great shampoo that's sunscreen omega-3 fatty acids and that is our great conditioning coat spray what do they do if they have a question well if you got a question just write us at team at the petbuzz.com and we'll cover it on our next show So don't miss this. Follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. 
It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels again and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. But most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. I love two things, sports and my dog Chester. Where I go, he goes. To the beach, to play soccer, everywhere. We spend a lot of time together in the sun, so I always carry a can of EpiPet sunscreen. So Chester is protected from the sun's harmful UV rays. I just spray it on and I don't have to worry. Chester is protected, so I know my sports buddies can be with me for a long time. Thanks, EpiPet. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com.